a little louder than I thought, sorry. I'm still getting used to things. If you didn't know, my, this is only my second Sunday here, so we're still, yeah. So still trying to work out the bugs of not yelling too loud into the mic and stuff like that. So uh, our, our gospel scripture, or not our gospel scripture, but our sermon scripture this morning comes to us from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 2 through 10. And I think it'll probably be, oh, there it is right there. So 2 Corinthians 2 through 12. And Paul writes to the church in Corinth, I know a person in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up in the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that such a person, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God only knows. Was caught up into paradise and heard things that are not to be told. That no mortal is permitted to repeat. On behalf of such a one, I will boast, but on my own behalf, I will not boast, except of my weaknesses. But if I wish to boast, I will not be a fool, for I am speaking the truth. But I refrain from it so that no one may think better of me than what is seen in me or heard in me. Even considering the exceptional character of these revelations, Therefore, to keep me from being too elated, a thorn was put in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me, to keep me from being too elated. Three times I've appealed to the Lord about this, that, he, that it would leave me. But he said to me, my grace, my grace is sufficient for you, for power is made perfect in weakness. And so I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. Therefore, I am content with these weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities for the sake of Christ. For whenever I am weak, then I am strong. It's the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. A couple of months ago, I was in a meeting with my former district superintendent, and as I walked in, uh, he liked to tease me a lot, and one of the things he had to tease me about that morning uh, was the way I was dressed, which is pretty much exactly the way I'm dressed this morning. And uh, so as I walked in, he says, oh, I see you have your Mr. Rogers outfit on. <laughs> now, there are probably a lot of you who don't, how, how many of you don't know who Mr. Rogers is? Yeah, a lot of the, t from what I've heard, anyone under 20, the likelihood that they know Mr. Rogers decreases dramatically. Now, he meant it as a joke, however, I took that as the highest compliment I could have ever gotten on my clothing. <laughs> you see, I have a deep amount of love and respect for Mr. Rogers. Uh, if you're young enough that you don't know who Mr. Rogers is, if you have Amazon Prime, Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood is on Amazon Prime, I encourage you to go look it up you will not be disappointed. If you didn't, is, did we get the picture working? There we go. I, if you didn't know already, I love Mr. Rogers. Uh, in fact, when we went to Pittsburgh for a friend's wedding and we had some time to look around, uh, I found out there was a statue of Mr. Rogers in Pittsburgh. Uh, so one of the stops that we had to make uh, was to, to get a picture with Mr. Rogers. So, um, 
If you didn't know, and I'm sure probably many of you have already heard this, there is a documentary about Mr. Rogers in theaters. I'm not trying to put a plug in. It sounds like I'm really trying to plug Mr. Rogers this morning. But the reason why I wanted to talk a little bit about that documentary uh, is because as I was reading about the documentary, I came across a very curious statement. Um, And it was um, the director who was talking about a conversation that he had had with Mr. Rogers' wife, uh, Joanne Rogers. Um, And she recall, he recalls that Joanne Rogers was telling him this about the documentary. Don't make Fred into a saint. Because treating him like a saint keeps him two-dimensional. His mission was to tell us that we all struggle, and he did not exist on another plane. He labored incredibly hard to fight for grace. Now, while I would say he was a saint, like many of those whom we have loved who have gone on to be uh, with Christ, I would state that I think her sentiment is exactly right. She didn't want his actions to be seen as somehow unattainable. She didn't want him to be seen as so righteous and so filled with grace that none of us would ever be able to attain a life like that. And I think her inclination is right because I think that in the church we have a tendency to project perfection. We try so hard to show the world how righteous, how holy that we are, that sometimes we can turn people off from church. And sometimes we can even cause harm to ourselves. Now I asked earlier, how many teenagers do we have here? A lot of teenagers. I was once a teenager too. <laughs> and, and if you've ever seen the movie Bridesmaids, as Melissa McCarthy states at one point, this was not easy going up and down the halls. <laughs> I remember being a teenager, and I remember struggling with all of the normal teenage stuff. I struggled with body issues, I, body image issues. I struggled uh, with self-worth issues. Uh, and I found that church was not necessary. Even though I loved church and I had grown up in church and I loved being in church, It was not a safe place for me to seek out help for those concerns and those struggles that I had. Because my greatest fear at church was that somebody would find out that I wasn't perfect. That somebody would find out my flaws. That they'd find out that I was broken and then word would get out and people at church wouldn't like me anymore. Because I wasn't perfect the way I was supposed to be. What I didn't know and what no one ever told me was that none of them were perfect either. In fact, all of the saints and all of the biblical heroes that we read about in the scriptures I thought were perfect as a kid. But all of them, even Mr. Rogers, weren't perfect. The great thing that I love about Scripture is that nearly all of the characters in the Bible have flaws. And yet, God finds a way to use them. 
Every one of them has a flaw because the Bible is a book about relationships between God and humans. And humans are flawed and broken. And yet God calls each of us. It's exactly as Paul said in this morning's text that, that God had told him, my grace is sufficient for you. For power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul states, so I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may dwell in me. It is precisely because of our weakness that God is able to use us. Because then we know that our gifts come not from ourselves, but from Christ. Now you might not be Mr. Rogers. Even though I wish I was, I am not. You might not be Paul or Moses or Noah. But regardless of what weaknesses you think you have, God wants to use you. If you're wondering what God is calling you to, well, sometimes it takes time to discover that. My dad is, uh, with Mr. Rogers, probably one of my other idols. So my dad and Mr. Rogers, it's pretty, pretty even. Um, and as a kid, I, I wanted so bad to be just like my dad. Um, one of the things that my dad did when he was, well, he is working, but one of the things that he did for a long time, like many of the adults that are here with the youth this morning, is he would take time off, uh, vacation time in the summer, to go with the youth from our church to do mission trips, uh, even before he had kids that were old enough to go. How many adults do we have that are here with youth? This morning. Yeah. I imagine many of you probably had to take off time from work, right? Yeah, I see some head shakes. Um, I always found it to be an amazing thing. And one of the other things I loved about my, da my dad, my dad works in building maintenance, so he can do just about anything. Um, but one of the things that he did so well on these youth mission trips was he was so incredibly patient teaching kids how to put up drywall or dig a ditch, whatever it might be. He was so patient. And when they got stuff wrong, instead of just fixing it for them, he would pull it all down again, put another one up, and say, try again. I am not my dad. I am not that patient. If you did it wrong, I'm taking it down and I'm putting it up the right way. But that goes to show, I, I wanted to be my dad, um, but my dad's gifts are not my gifts. I tried youth work for a while. Now, I like youth. It's not that I don't like you all. Um, but I was an awkward, goofy, uncool youth, and I'm pretty still awkward, goofy, and still uncool. So, so youth work didn't work quite as well either. And so it took me time to find the place that I felt comfortable in where I was being called to serve. Frederick Buchner 
once stated that the place that God calls you to is the place where your deepest gladness and the world's deepest hunger meet. You may not know right now, especially the youth in the room, but maybe even the adults, what God is calling you to do. You may not even know yet what your gifts are and how God is calling you to serve. But if you pay attention to those things that you love, the things that bring you not just happiness, but deep gladness, the passions that you have in this world, and you find those place, where those places connect with the deep needs of your community, you'll find where God is calling you and to the people that God is calling you to. Not everybody is called to be a pastor. Not everybody is called to be Mr. Rogers, but everybody has a calling. Each and every one of you has a calling. Maybe your passion is to cook. Kathy, is that your passion? Kind of. <laughs> and so you can serve God through cooking, whether it be for spy kids uh, or for your community. Maybe your passion is construction. And God is calling you to serve your community through hard work and sweat. Maybe your passion is teaching. Maybe your passion is helping people who just need help, like social work or something along those lines. Whatever it is, wherever your passions are, and many of you probably still have time to figure that out, where those passions meet with the deepest need is where God is calling you. I can't tell you what God wants you to do. It'd be a pretty good spiritual gift to be able to tell people what to do. <laughs> but what I can do, whether you're a member here or whether you're a youth just trying to figure out your way, is I can help you talk it through. Discover with you where God is calling you to serve. God is calling you. Regardless of what you think about yourself, regardless of what weaknesses you think you have, 